Hi there, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Devour the Podcast, a bonus episode, if you will, in which I, Bo Ransdell, will be discussing a Baker's Half Dozen, seven films that I have watched, uh, based in this case around the idea of love. It is February after all. It's not long after Valentine's Day. And I wanted to look at, at horror films that, that dealt with relationships between men and women, um, preferably couples and, uh, you know, married couples. And so we'll talk about those in just a second, but let's get a little uh, business out of the way first. Um, first things first, the February episode of devour the podcast probably isn't going to exist. And instead it will be a March episode. Um, the reason for that is, is kind of twofold. Um, one, uh, we needed a little bit of time. I need a little bit of time after, um, doing the Blair Witch episode to just kind of decompress a little bit before jumping back into, uh, another, you know, big project of an episode. So there's that. And then the other thing I probably would have done it anyway, but the other thing is, uh, Jamie who was not with us on the Blair Witch episode and who we want desperately to be with us on the next episode, um, is still, you know, juggling some work stuff. But I talked to her this very day, as a matter of fact, ladies and jelly spoons. And, uh, and, and so we're getting all that stuff worked out and, and she's going to be, uh, able to record a, a bit more and that's going to be great. So, uh, it just probably isn't going to happen before the end of this month. So I apologize for that. We try to get an episode out every month. Um, in this case we didn't and, uh, and hopefully this, and there's going to be some hero, hero, go show stuff, uh, stuff coming soon. There's going to be, um, uh, uh, 20 fears ago today coming before the end of the month. So hopefully between all those things, we'll keep you satisfied, uh, in between now and the next episode of the, the big devour episode, uh, which will have, uh, the, the welcome return of one Jamie Sammons. So, um, that business out of the way, uh, thanks again for, for sticking with us. Uh, as we're, everybody's trying to figure out their schedule right now. It's, you know, fuck, you guys know what I'm talking about. Life is busy. So imagine like, all the stuff I do ain't nothing compared to Jamie. What got two jobs and then tries to podcast on top of that. And that's tough. That's tough. It's, it's tough to keep any kind of regular schedule when, when you're doing that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, nonetheless, we're, we're going to desperately endeavor to make sure that the next episode is a banger. Uh, and I think it will be, we're, we're already talking about some fun stuff. So anyway, enough of that. Uh, let's, let's talk about the movies, the, the movies about love folks. It's about love. And let us begin with maybe the pinnacle of love, the honeymoon. And so I've got a couple of movies around this idea. The first one is entitled zombie honeymoon. Uh, it is from, uh, director and writer David Gabro came out in 2004 uh, it stars Tracy Coogan as uh, Denise Zanders and Graham Sibley as Danny Zanders. Um, and that's really all you need to know. We just got our job. We came for our apartment. Everything. My wife. 
You better believe it. Here's what happened, y'all. Uh, I'd seen this movie before. This was a second or third time watch for me. Zombie Honeymoon is is pretty cool. It is a cheap movie. It is definitely a low-budget affair. And it is, at times, not entirely professional. Um, but, let me say this. Here's what the story is, folks. What you got is you got your couple going off on their honeymoon... They're, uh, they take off to the beach and sure enough, uh, as they're, you know, summer of 69ing on the beach, uh, which just means laying around, um, what is that summer? Of, is that right? Is that the movie I'm thinking of? Anyway, doesn't matter. A, a, a weird looking dude walks out of the ocean and vomits stuff on the husband. And soon after he begins to experience strange cravings, like he used to be a vegan before and now he wants some meat and then that meat isn't working, that kind of situation. What I like about zombie uh, honeymoon though, is it doesn't fuck around with that too much. He gets to eating people pretty quick. And there are times it's kind of darkly comic. Um, but it's, it's kind of anchored by some, some good performances in a low budget film it's really energetic. It has a pretty snappy pace, although I would say that it runs out of a little bit of steam towards the end. Um, but th- the big thing is it's heartfelt. There are these really nice emotional moments that kind of capture, as ridiculous as the premise is, capture this moment of discovering that your loved one is a monster. And what do you do? I mean, do you do you surrender yourself to that? I mean, do you want to go on living knowing that it might be up to you to destroy him. Um, anyway, it it handles all that stuff pretty well. And the uh, the performance from Graham Sibley in particular as, as the husband Danny, I think is really good. And as he kind of becomes, um, you know, a real zombie, like not just eating people, but is starting to like lose himself a little bit. Uh, that he does a great job in portraying these stages of zombieism. And it's it's a good movie. If you've never seen it, I, I do recommend it. Um, that's why I give Zombie Honeymoon three stars out of five. 
you know, I, I got to adjust a little bit for the fact that, hey, this is low budget. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but um, I really enjoyed it. I, I think it's a, a very, uh, like I said, you know, the thing I keep coming back to is it feels heartfelt. It feels handcrafted in a way, and it's good. Um, so, yeah, check out Zombie Honeymoon. Let me know what you think. Then, speaking of honeymoons, let's talk about the movie Honeymoon. And, uh, oh, by the way, here's the trailer for that. So, we didn't get a regular wedding cake. We decided on something that was special for us Mm -hmm. instead. I love you, honeybee. So this is the famous family cottage. Do you like it? Here's what I see. The woods. A lake. No one around. B? This isn't funny. B? Please! B! You okay? I couldn't find you. I must be sleepwalking. I'm fine. How's my little zombie face this morning? I made the coffee. I could be human. What's going on with you? You feel distant, different. Did something happen in the woods? They're mosquito bites. They don't look like bug bites. You're acting crazy. You should leave. You're not safe. What's going on? We need to leave. You can't. Where did you put the keys? Where are the keys? Who's out there? We shine in the light. I want to protect you. Where is my wife? You look like her, but you're not her. Something bad happened to me. Something bad happened to me in the woods. Okay, so Honeymoon uh, came out in 2014. Uh, this movie got a lot of buzz, and... Um, I remember being very excited to see it. Rose Leslie uh, is in the film as well as Harry Treadaway. Rose Leslie, of course, from Game of Thrones. Harry Treadaway was in Penny Dreadful, played uh, Victor Frankenstein in Penny Dreadful. Uh, co-written and directed by Lee, I think it's Janiak or Janiak, J-A-N-I-A-K. So uh, sorry if I mispronounced the name. And it is synopsized thusly. I forgot to do the synopsis on uh, Zombie Honeymoon, but I feel like you got the idea. Uh, But IMDb says about Honeymoon, a newlywed couple finds their late country honeymoon descended to chaos after Paul finds B wandering and disoriented in the middle of the night. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where it kicks off. It's, It's a movie about, hey, I'm I'm married to someone. We're going to this remote place where she used to go when she was younger. As soon as we get there, weird stuff starts happening and she's behaving pretty oddly. 
And also there's a neighbor around the lake uh, that the, uh, you know, B Rose Leslie's character grew up with. And, you know, you, you start to get a sense that maybe there's something going on between them or, or there was something going on between them, not necessarily romantically, but just there, there's some secret that they share. And so the movie is one big mystery of like, what's really going on here? What's happening in the woods? And I feel like it leans deeply into that of like, what is the payoff of this? And once you get there, once you get to this sort of logical conclusion of the film, you know, it goes one of two ways. It's either going to have a happy ending or it's going to have a a sad ending. And I'm not going to spoil it here, but I, I kind of guessed what was going to go down at a fairly early stage in the film, like 30 ish minutes in. And then I sat there and waited for that to happen. And I could see it coming. Like with every step, it was like, Oh sure. Okay. That yes, that is going to be a piece of this and blah, blah, blah. And so the thing is it's, it's a well done film. It also bothers me that both Rose Leslie and Harry Treadaway are British and, or, uh, Rose Leslie is Scottish. I just wonder why they're not just allowed to speak in their normal accents. You know, doesn't matter where you said it. They can still be in America. Doesn't matter. They, hey, they met here. They were in an exchange program. Who gives a shit? Let's stop doing these terrible American accents. Because Rose Leslie's in particular is hit and miss. There are definitely some moments where you're like, mm, that's not quite right. That's not really how Americans pronounce that thing. Harry Treadway, I think, gets way a little bit better here. But again, why even bother? Why, why go to all the trouble? Just uh, talk like you talk. Anyway, <laughs> Grandpa is done complaining about the accents. So, yeah, I think the movie's well done. I just think it takes forever to get to the conclusion that makes the most sense from the beginning anyway. If you've ever seen a movie about remote locations and weird shit happening that is perhaps not supernatural, then it's like I know exactly where all of this is headed. And it's okay. It's a, it, it's okay to follow along, but it, there's just no sense of surprise or wonder or anything like that. The kind of thing that you hope to see in a movie, like weirdly, I would attribute those characteristics to something like a scout's guide to the apocalypse, where you see somebody like hanging out of a window by a zombie dick. And that's one of those things where it's like, holy crap, that is crazy. That's hilarious and wonderful. I've never seen anything quite like that. I may have even made it up. Maybe it didn't even happen in the movie. Maybe I just wanted it to. Who cares? But uh, (laughs) um, there's something about Honeymoon where none of it feels particularly energetic, unlike Zombie Honeymoon, where that movie does feel kind of peppy and, and moves along at a nice pace. Honeymoon just feels very, like, it's just like, here's the movie. You know, there's, there's not a lot of tension. It's not all that exciting. Um, so I'm going to land on about two stars for this one. I think, I think, I think it's kind of fine, but I wouldn't recommend it. I I think there are way better movies that kind of do what honeymoon does a, a bunch better. Like there, you are better served even watching something like the fourth kind, I would argue, which at least has kind of a cool ending enough about that. Let's move on to our next film which is a movie entitled A Horrible Way to Die. <laughs> 
you're gonna die. And you, and you knew you were gonna die, and you could choose how. What would you choose? You don't wanna come back to bed with me? Of course I do. I thought I'd go for a walk and come get right back in bed. I was in a pretty bad relationship. He was not very honest with me about a lot of things. Everything he said in group was really, it's really vulnerable and, and great. It's really good that you could do that. Manhunt continues tonight for Garrett Terrell, who remains at large after escaping from police custody. Are you scared? A little, yeah. He knows where you live? You know, you don't understand. He'll kill you, too. Of a horrible way to die, IMDb says an escaped murderer is in pursuit of his ex-girlfriend who has fled to start a new life in a small town. Uh, this came out in 2010, uh, nearly a decade ago at this point, and was kind of the launching pad for both director Adam Wingard and writer Simon Barrett, especially in terms of their partnership, which has been a really fruitful one. Led to things like Your Next and that Blair Witch uh, remake, reboot, sequel uh adam wingard is now making godzilla versus kong you know like these guys have gone on to pretty great things simon barrett um uh boy i he's a writer that i really like he showed up on red letter media which gave me a lot of respect for the guy anyway um this stars uh aj bowen as garrick terrell the uh the killer um or i'm sorry joe swanberg uh, plays the killer. That is uh, Kevin. Then there's... No, I've got that. Do I have that right? No, no, no. Joe Swanberg's the, the good guy. All right, sorry, A.J. Bowen as Garrick Terrell, the killer. Amy Simitz from The Signal as Sarah, who uh, is the ex-girlfriend. And then Joe Swanberg is kind of her would-be boyfriend who's like a super nice guy and is real charming and, and you know, real mumblecore with her and whatnot. So there is a real documentary feel to this movie that I like where there's a starkness to the, to the, uh, the handheld nature of it and the, and just the cinematography that I think is really immersive in this film. Uh, I, I really like that a lot. I think Amy Siemens is great. Um, as Sarah, I think AJ Bowen is really good, uh, as her, you know, ex-husband slash or ex-boyfriend slash serial killer. And the, the movie does a nice job of, of sort of unfolding the story of his murders throughout the course of the film. You're kind of cutting between their stories after he breaks out of prison and is on his way to her. And 
the other thing I like about this movie, not only is it uh, kind of a fun movie about a lady who's just trying to get on with her life after having fucked up and dated a, a serial killer. And she says, like, I was really I was drinking a lot and, and that kind of thing. I just didn't know. I didn't know what he was. And then the thought of him coming after her now, it, it's terrified her for a long time. And now here it is made flesh. And that that's kind of interesting to see that happened to a person. And this movie is played very real. And then you get to the end of the film, which gets a little more movie-ish, where it's like, okay, this is getting, not silly, but it, it, it's certainly getting dramatic in a way that the rest of the, the movie tends to avoid. So it feels almost kind of tonally different, but it's also a, a definitely a shift in in what the film is doing. So that I think that goes with it. I think that's fine. Um, the conclusion itself, I, I think, has some really fun moments. Um, there's also this... Dude, there is one scene. Dude, like it's just you and me, but it kind of is. Dude, there is this scene. Look, dude. Dude. Shit. Um, there is a scene in A Horrible Way to Die where it's uh, A.J. Bowen's character in the passenger seat of a car with a woman he has abducted. And he is using her to get to safety. And she keeps saying, like, just don't kill me. All I want to do is go home for Christmas. I'm, that's where I'm going right now. And he's like, look, it's fine. I'm just, you're going to be fine. We just need to go a little further. And there's a point where she keeps asking, and it's, I don't know if he makes the decision to kill her at this point, or if he was always planning to kill her, and it's just this point where he's going to show her that. And it's really an interesting moment, but it's also really creepy and kind of raw, and I liked it. So uh, for me, A Horrible Way to Die is a three-and-a-half-star film. Uh, you ought to check it out. It, it's uh, kind of an early, early Wingard Barrett stuff, and I don't know that a lot of people are on to it, but it's a pretty good movie. And And if you've seen it, uh, once you've seen it and know what the end of the movie is, if you want to talk to me about it, Shoot me a message over at uh, the Facebook page, um, the Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash devour the podcast. Um, or you can also shoot me an email at bow at legionpodcasts.com. Um, now that that's out of the way, we don't have to do it at the end. So uh, what's next on the hit list? You may ask, how about another marriage? This time, Bride of Chucky. Here is the trailer for that. Because this time, 
he's got a playmate of his own. Bride of Chucky. Bride of Chucky was directed by Ronnie Yu of uh, Freddy vs. Jason, fame or infamy, depending on how you feel about it. Um, it came out in 1998. That movie's over 20 years old, y'all. That's crazy. Uh, written by uh, Don Mancini, creator, of course, of the uh, Child's Play franchise. Uh, it stars Jennifer Tilly as Tiffany. Brad Dourif as Chucky, of course, the, void, uh, the voice of Chucky. Catherine Heigl is Jade in this, the kind of the, the lead uh, female. And then you've got uh, Nick Stabile as Jesse, or Stable, Stabile. Um, notably, uh, I think it's Alex Arquette is how she's credited in the film. Um, she, uh, she passed away in 2016, um, but is one of the Arquette siblings like David and, and Roxanne and, uh, was born, uh, Robert Arquette and then, uh, transitioned into Alexis Arquette post this film. But if you watch this movie, it's like, oh, okay, that, uh, I, I can buy that. That makes some sense. Kathy Najimy shows up in a cameo as a motel maid. Uh, and then... The uh, the real standout here is John Ritter as the protector of Catherine Heigl's character, Jade. He is uh, Warren Kincaid, the, the local sheriff uh, or local police chief. And I, I, let me, a bit of a confession here. Um, oh, let's uh, get to the, the synopsis. Chucky, the doll possessed by a serial killer, discovers the perfect mate to kill and revive into the body of another doll. Um so yeah, all that stuff happens. You guys have probably seen Bride of Chucky. I had not seen uh, Bride of, of Chucky. Um, I I'd seen like I've seen these movies all out of order. I saw I think the third one first, then maybe the original, then because the third one was the Military Academy. Maybe the first one after that, and then I don't know that I'd ever seen two. I never saw Bride. I still haven't seen Seed. And then I saw Curse and Cult, the most recent films. And I liked Curse quite a bit. I think the one before last. Cult of Chucky was okay. Curse of Chucky is kind of rocking. So um, so I approached, like, and I don't think I've seen Child's Play 2 at all. I don't think I have. Anyway, Bride of Chucky. I just don't find killer dolls all that scary. So Bride of Chucky, uh, going into it, I knew that it was sort of divisive in that it, it leaned far more into the comedy, which this certainly does. Um, I gotta say though, I thought it was, it was fun. You know, it's, uh, it, it's campy. It's very winky at the audience. I am, but I, it, in a weird way, it almost doesn't go far enough in that direction. I wish it had even been more silly and more campy. Um, there's a great kill in it with a mirrored bed that I like quite a bit. And the other thing to recommend it is that John Ritter is great in anything. I love John Ritter and he's got this great, like double death in the movie that I think is outstanding. So all that being said though, I still don't find like, I love Brad Dourif's performance as Chucky. I just don't really give a shit about Chucky. And I know that's borderline blasphemy, it's just, I, there's nothing particularly appealing about this. The coolest thing about it to me is the 
the the practical effects work for Chucky, I think, is impressive. I don't really care for the character all that much, and um, and I think that Jennifer Tilly is is fun in this movie, but also she is the reason that I I feel like it needs to be campier. Like I wish it we played more into uh, into her ability to be that that kind of fun character. Um, the ending was fine. Like it, it gets to a point where it's, uh, it, it feels like we're spinning our wheels a little bit, uh, towards the end of the film and all the stuff with Catherine Heigl and her would be boyfriend is just the worst. Uh, all that stuff is completely disposable. And if you ripped it out of the movie, it, it would probably be a better film. Um, so that being said, I kind of land right dead center on this movie. Uh, I, I give it two and a half stars. There's some stuff to recommend it, but there are better ways to spend your time too. Um, it's okay. I w I just wish it had been a little funnier. Um, and, and I wish I cared more about the child's play franchise and I just kind of don't. Um, I've tried. I really have. I think curse of Chucky's really good. I don't think Brad of Chucky's all that great. Uh, okay. So let's get to what turned into a, a dark horse. I had originally planned on, uh, another movie. Um, and then I saw the movie piercing, which I will play the trailer for right now. I seem to have left something in my room. Have a good night, sir. I see this playing out in one of three ways. You want to know? Oh, yeah, of course. That's why I called him. The victim has to be a prostitute. Your guess is on the way Thank you. The first step is to get her tied up and gagged. She'll probably try to run and scream. Is everything all right, sir? Everything's fine. You could still kill her. What? <laughs> First one, she knows what's going on. I want a way to remember this. She's being fake. The second one is, but she's like crazy and wants to die. So take her home and stop her, right? Yeah. Wait, wait, what's the third? Third one is, she wants to buy some time. What's the nastiest thing you've ever done? Oh, God, I don't like that one. I know, that's the worst. Just wanted to make you happy. There's something wrong with you. A man kisses his wife and baby goodbye, says IMDb, and seemingly heads away on business with a plan to check into a hotel, call an escort service, and kill an unsuspecting prostitute. 
This is directed by Nicholas Pesh or Pesci. Uh, Duncan and I are still debating that. Uh, it is written uh, as well by Nicholas Pesh. Uh, but the novel it is based on was uh, written by Ryu Murakami, who is the guy who wrote the novel Audition, uh, the, the novel on which uh, Audition is based. So it stars uh, Christopher Abbott um, as Reed, the, the main character of the film. You would recognize him from... Uh, Geez, what he seems real noticeable to me, and I'm he was in It Comes at Night, uh, he was in Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, that uh, Tina Fey, uh, Margot Robbie film, uh, he was in A Most Violent Year, um, you know, I mean, he's Martha, uh, Martha Marcy, May Marlene, which is a great movie, um. So he's been around and, he, and he's solid and he's really good in this. And then Mia Wasikowska, of course, uh, from geez, uh, Stoker, obviously, um, the kids are all right. She was one of the kids in that she was in Crimson Peak. She's Alice in those Alice in Wonderland movies. Um, she's, you know, a very talented, uh, young actress and it is a, you know, as the synopsis suggests, it, it is about a guy who has been fantasizing about being a, a serial killer. He's been keeping a notebook. He invites Mia Wasikowska uh, to his hotel room. And, you know, he makes sure that she's into bondage and BDSM because the whole idea is he's going to tie her up. And then once she's tied up, he can do whatever he wants. And so he orders from a service, a prostitute with those specifications. And that's when Mia Wasikowska shows up. And throughout the course of the film, it, we start to see whether, you know, Reed's desire to kill is actually purely a desire to kill, or if he's just a sadist and, but also maybe not just purely a sadist and also Mia Wasikowska as someone who is no stranger to, uh, these games, um, turns the tables, but also is weirdly vulnerable at the same time. It, it's an interesting film and it, and it's got great performances to anchor it. Um, the, the style of the movie is, is fascinating. Um, there is this use of miniatures, uh, when you see exterior shots of, of this city, it's all miniature work and it's incredible. And the most of the score of the film is just the goblin score from Tenebrae, which is fucking rad. And it works great here too. Um, it, it's just beautiful to look at. My big complaint with the movie, we talked about it on, on Duncan and Bo, uh, come correct. When we were discussing true detective, um, not because we were discussing true detective, just because we talk about movies prior to that. And this movie had come up and I told him then, and, and I still feel this way that the, the ending is abrupt to me. I wish there had been more. Um, it, there, there's part of me that felt unfulfilled at the end of the the movie, even though it had narratively satisfied all of my questions, 
I just needed more of the ultimate relationship. You know, I want to see what more of that looks like, I think. Um, but that's kind of a minor quibble. And uh, originally I said I was going to give this movie three and a half stars. And I feel like that underserves it. I think four stars is where this movie lands, um, which is great. You know, uh, that's a that's a really good movie. I think I think everybody should see piercing, even if it doesn't do it for you. It's a movie that makes you pay attention to it. And it's nice every now and again to see a movie that isn't just like, hey, I can passively watch this. This movie can just sort of happen to me, you know? Like those Marvel movies are like that for sure. Um, where it, whether, like, I'm into that that stuff because I'm a bit of a nerd, but I'm not going to argue that it's not more passive entertainment. There's themes and that kind of thing, but it's not challenging. Whereas a movie like Piercing is challenging. And every now and again, you need something challenging is the, the fiber to your cinematic diet is to watch something a little outside your comfort zone and, and let, you know, a director that is, is allowing two great performances happen in front of you. And it's also kind of kinky and weird and fun. Yeah. It's a four star movie. Enjoy it. Uh, let me know what you think. Hey, Hey, you guys speaking of four star movies. Let me uh, let me let you in on a movie I can almost guarantee you haven't seen, and I think is great. Um, it's a movie called The Hidden Face. It is uh, a, a Spanish film. So here's the trailer. It's all in Spanish, uh, but I don't give a shit. Um, it's lush. This whole movie is lush. We're going to talk about it in a second. Here's the trailer. El búnker es un lugar aislado de todo. Una caja dentro de otra caja. Vidrio blindado de transparencia unidireccional. Blindaje acústico a prueba de todo. esa prueba. Dale una pequeña lección. Esto no es fácil. No tengo fuerzas para decírtelo a la cara. Me voy. ¡Adrián! Te quiero mucho. Por favor, no me busques. Y no me odies. Parece un poco precipitado que el tipo ese esté saliendo con usted justo ahora que desapareció su novia. ¿Estás celoso? Yo creo que hay un fantasma.
Es la obra maestra de mi marido y su más oscuro secreto. Of the Hidden Face, IMDb says, Shattered by the unexpected news of their irreversible breakup, an aspiring orchestra conductor is puzzled by his girlfriend's mysterious and seemingly inexplicable case of disappearance. But can he look beyond the facts? Um, <laughs> it's a real awkward last line. Anywho, this is written and directed by Andre Baez. It is, uh, as I mentioned, a, uh, a Spanish film. It is mm, not exactly a horror film. Like I'm reluctant to use the term thriller. It's just not, not a word I think is very serviceable genre wise. There are some, like I would call the hunt for red October kind of a thriller, you know, meant to get the, the heart racing and the pulse pounding. But, uh, and, and this kind of falls into that category, but there's a bit of a mystery element to it. And there's just enough horror in it that I, I'm counting it because there's a kind of maybe a ghost. Um, you, but not really. It, it's horror in the same way Scooby-Doo is kind of a horror cartoon. You know, it presents itself as supernatural, but slight spoilers, it ain't really supernatural. Um, but it doesn't matter. So anyway, here's what happens. So this uh, conductor, Adrian, is... Uh, hello, Adrian. Anyway, sorry. Adrian is dating... He's real sad at the beginning of the movie. He's all broken up at a, at a cafe. And in comes this really super cute waitress named Fabiana, who is like, well, you know, why are you so sad? Why don't you come be sexy with me since we are both sexy Spaniards? Um, that's pretty much the dialogue. I'm pretty spot on. And he's like, you're right. I shouldn't be sad. L let me take you back to my via here in uh, Colombia is where they are. Let me take you back to my via here in Colombia and we will have passionate, beautiful sex because we are two young, beautiful Spaniards. And that's sure enough what they do. This movie doesn't screw around. We get to fucking quick. Hashtag, you should be fucking. And these people do a lot. So um, Adrian and Fabiana do some fucking. And then he gets a call saying, hey, we think we have identified uh, the body. Or we have found the body of a woman who may be your missing girlfriend. We need you to come and, you know, identify the body and let us know if, if it's her. And so off Adrian Fox to go identify this body and Fabiana, meanwhile, starts to believe that it, a, it's possible that Adrian had something to do with the disappearance of his ex-girlfriend Balin. Also that the place that they're staying might be haunted by Balin, but it turns out that is not the case. And I'm not going to tell you what the case is because that happens mm, an hour into the movie and you should discover it for yourself because it's wonderful. Anyway, the movie operates as Fabiana um, being in the present with the boyfriend. And then there is a big chunk of the movie that is a flashback of what happened to Balin. So that by the time the movie catches up, we see how these stories have intersected of what the ultimate fate of Balin was and what uh, this new relationship with Fabiana and Adrian is all about and, and how those two things converge. 
and it's great. The whole thing plays like this big pulpy pot boiler of a story. Like everybody's fucking in it and, and everybody's gorgeous and they look great fucking and it looks sweaty. Like the movie makes you feel like it's hot and like, it's like body heat or something almost. And it takes these crazy, um, like soap opera turns like the house that they're staying in in Columbia is the former home of a Nazi who escaped to Germany in world war two. And the woman who rents the place out is the ex Nazis widow who was like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a Nazi. What are you going to do? And it, like the whole thing is fucking weird and crazy and wonderful. And, and like I said, it's pulpy. It just, it feels like almost it, it's too good for it, but it could be one of those real salacious, lifetime movies only really good with good performances and a lot of style and it it's so much fun and um this guy adrian uh, uh andre buys i'm sorry he uh the, the guy who wrote and directed this he has gone on to do a bunch of the show narcos on um netflix but look this was a movie that i just happened upon because I was looking for movies about couples and sure enough, this is a movie about not one, not even two, really. It's kind of three couples in this movie and all of them get down. Um, not on screen though. Two of them get down on screen. You're going to love it <laughs> because of all the getting down, but it's, it is so much fun. It is, uh, it, it, it feels like, um, a, a tattered novel that you would read something that, if somebody asked you what it was about, you would skip around a little bit to tell them the interesting stuff. But really, you're like, man, those sex scenes were pretty hot, too. It's It's got everything. I love this movie. Uh, it's another four-star movie. Like, it's not perfect. It is very, very melodramatic and, and very overblown. And as such, there's an, a hint of camp to the whole proceeding. But... It's so good. It's so much fun. And I can't wait for you guys to see this movie uh, and let me know uh, what you think about it because you're going to thank me. I promise you. You're going to see the hidden face. And at the end of the movie, you're going to be like, it's pretty fucking good, Bo. You you got me. It's good. You're going to like it. Four stars. Hey, we only got one more movie to go. That movie is Night Tide. uh, And here is the trailer for it. people and 
Tony, I'm so afraid. You're a stranger here, and I guess you don't know what everybody here knows. Ellen, dear. In the past two years, Morris had two boyfriends, and they're both dead now. So, Night Tide came out in 1961, uh, which makes it, what, 58 years old this this year. Um, it's almost old enough to collect uh, Social Security. So, <laughs> Night Tide is kind of wonderful. Um, it's it's an old film. It stars Dennis Hopper. Uh, well, here's the synopsis. A young sailor falls in love with a mysterious woman performing as a mermaid at the local carnival. He soon comes to suspect the girl might be a real mermaid who draws men to a watery death during the full moon. It is written and directed by Curtis Harrington, uh, who did Queen of Blood, another old old school film, and uh, 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 Curtis Harrington also wrote the short story upon which this is based, which is kind of cheating, right? Um, but he did uh, a movie called Killer Bees uh, in the 70s, um, voyage to the prehistoric planet directed a lot of TV in the seventies and, and through the eighties, a lot of hotel and wonder woman and Charlie's angels and Vegas. That was a good movie. He also did uh whoever slew Auntie Rue in 71, which was memory serves, uh, a bit of a, a, a take on, um, uh, Hansel and Gretel. And anyway, uh, interesting, uh, odd little film, uh, with, uh, Shelly Winters. Anywho, but Night Tide stars Dennis Hopper in the lead role, very young Dennis Hopper, uh, in the lead role, um, as a sailor who has come into town and is just looking for some tail <laughs> because of mermaids. Uh, he, he, he plays Johnny Drake is his name. And at the time this came out, let's take a peek when this happened in his career because he was super, super young. Um, yeah, he'd been, eh, even by then he'd been around for, you know, five or six years on television and, and a couple of films, but, uh, this has to be among his, his first leads. Um, but he's, so he's in town and truly all he's looking to do is just get laid. He's hanging out in some jazz clubs because it's 1961 and runs uh, into this, you know, sultry woman named Mora, um, who is played by Linda Lawson. And it becomes fascinated by her, ends up kind of insisting on walking her home in a move that may or may not be acceptable these days. And I bet he's nice. You know, he's not not a monster or anything, but you know, it's 1961 and he's at night alone with a lady. 
So uh, he walks her home and says, you know, I want to see you again. And, and she's like, I don't think this is a good idea. And, but he convinces her and they start dating some. And then he is introduced to her, you know, a protector of sorts, uh, a guy named Captain Sam Murdoch, as played by actor Gavin Moore, um, who, if you don't know who he is, uh, that it's kind of a shame. He was a great character actor, you know, all through the 50s. And I, I've seen him in a handful of things. Couldn't tell you one in particular. But at any rate, um, he plays the old captain that is like, you know, did she tell you she's a mermaid? And, you know, Dennis Hopper's like, the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, see, there are sirens. And goes through this whole story about how, you know, mythologies come from something and that sirens are uh, are killers by nature and that um, she eventually will have to give herself to the sea and that he's in danger while he he's dating her and that kind of thing. And so the question of the movie is, is she really a mermaid? Is she crazy? And is she going to kill him? And it's, it, it, this movie is notable for a couple of things. One, Dennis Hopper is always interesting to watch in a movie. Um, this is very much of its time. Uh, there's no getting around it. It, it is shot that way. Although it does have a weird handheld quality that a lot of films of, of the time did not. It almost reminded me of, um, something like blood feast or something except black and white and, and better than those. And it, it's a really, um, I, I described it as comfortable, you know, it's a black and white movie. That's got kind of this silly premise, but it's taking itself seriously and playing it straight. And it's interesting. And there's this crazy scene in the middle of the movie where Dennis Hopper has a nightmare where he sees Mora down the hallway and he, and, and she comes to him on the couch and she falls into his arms. And as he's running his hand down her back, the camera follows it. And then you see a a tail extending from this, uh, this woman's, you know, nightgown or whatever. And, and the thing was when I was watching it, Oh, it's so charming. Because one of the scales is missing and you can see it because these days you can watch this stuff in high def and whatnot. And one of the scales is missing. So you can see through the tail, uh, part of her leg in one scene. It's like, Oh, that is so quaint. Um, because the whole thing, it, they really were layered scales that they had made this, uh, this costume out of. And one went missing apparently, and they just either didn't catch it or whatever, but it ended up in the movie and you can see your leg right through it. It's crazy. Um, and I, I don't really fault the movie for something like that. It makes it more charming somehow. Uh, it's like, you know, it's the flaw that makes the art. It's you know, what, what is the, the rule in jazz? It's the, um, the, the songs you or the notes you don't play. So it's sort of that sort of thing. And I dug the whole atmosphere of it. It's it, it like I said, it's of the time. It's very classic Hollywood and in a lot of ways. And there's something I like about that. I really like um, these movies that you can kind of fall back onto the couch with and and just sort of lose yourself in, in this different world and this different time where everything's recognizable. But it's also very foreign 
You know, like that's not how the world is anymore. And it's an interesting window into our past. Um, a filmed window, you know, we, we can look back over half a century and get an idea of how the world saw itself at that time, even if it's not how it was. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, the the prudishness of it in some ways, as well as the brazenness of a story. Like, this is a movie about a guy who falls in love with a mermaid, and it's not a fucking cartoon, you know? It's, it's interesting on that level. So, at the end of the day, I give um, Night Tide three stars. Um, I, I think it's worth your time. Uh, if you've never seen it, it, it's an interesting little film, and it's, a, you know, 85 minutes, something like that, and going to take up your day. And, um, yeah, you know, put it on when, when you've, uh, got the, the quilt, uh, over you on the couch and, and the rain has fallen outside and all you want is something cozy, a warm, warm cup of cocoa maybe. And, and watch yourself some night tide and, and have a, have a day of it. A nice, uh, Sunday afternoon is what that sounds like to me. Um, which oddly enough, it was kind of my Sunday afternoon when I sat down and watched night tide. So maybe that is why I am biased, but, um, Hey, that's going to do it this time around. I already gave you all the contact info. If you would do me a favor, you know, rate and review the show, uh, on whatever podcast app you use, that certainly helps. And on iTunes, especially guys, even if you don't use iTunes, if you can hop over to iTunes and leave us a rating there makes a ton of difference that like they have such a huge audience and, and ratings, uh, matter in the rankings and all that stuff. So, um, you know, from me to you do me a solid, go over there and, and, and rate something up for me. Uh, I would, I would appreciate that very much. Um, and, uh, and, and thanks for listening as always, you know, I'm not just going to ask you to do something. I'm going to say thank you at the very least. So thanks for listening. We're going to have some more stuff coming soon. Keep an eye on the devour the podcast feed for a uh, new hero, hero go show and 20 years ago and, uh, and much more coming soon. So, um, as always, we love your feedback, drop us a line over on the Facebook page and, and email. And I've gave you that information already. Uh, so there is nothing left to do folks, but to say, have a wonderful evening. And uh, we will see you again real soon on Devour the Podcast. Bye! Say, you little bitch, you hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish. He died in my G fucking king of the zombies. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh?